back to the first in orange podcast, DenverPostDenverPost.com. It's the second first in orange podcast. I'm Nick Groke here with Nikki Javala. Hopefully these will be a lot more regular, Nikki. We've done one in like two weeks, one in three weeks, but let's we'll do this more often. If you're if you're game well, for listeners. that. <laughs> more of us? Do they really want that? <laughs> no, well, there's plenty to talk about. Nikki, I know that you know why we are in this conference room right now. There's a quarterback race going on. Is that what it is? (laughs) I thought we were going to talk about punters. No, let's talk about quarterbacks. This is unusual. Mm -hmm. Mark Sanchez today made a joke. I don't know how funny he was trying to be. He said, "What what else would you people be talking about if not for this quarterback competition? He's he's has a point, but where are we at right now, and why are we where are we at right now? Well, first of all, I think this is unusual in that it's kind of unprecedented in Broncos history. Um, you know, Super Bowl winning teams have changed quarterbacks in the past, but there hasn't been anything like this where potentially, you know, the the job left vacant by Peyton Manning could be in the hands of a player who's only had one regular season snap or you know, even a, a rookie who's trying, still trying to get acclimated to the pro speed. Um, you know, today, Mark Sanchez, I, I thought he was great with his answers in that he, he reaffirmed his commitment to this competition. I think after last week, um, he was really hard on himself. And I think, as he said, people might have mistook that to mean that he's, you know, he believes he, he just squandered his opportunity for the whole race. Like, mm-hmm. it was over. And he told us today that's not the case. Um, he's still very much in this. And he, he still seemed um, pretty confident about it. And, you know, I, I don't know how much of that is real or not, but he, he he seems confident. He goes out there every day. He works hard. Um, but Saturday will ultimately be probably the biggest test of them all. Um, but let me, let me be a bad guy here maybe, but to me – Nikki, it seems like this is almost – it seems like a done deal. Trevor Simeon is going to start the third preseason game, which is the most important preseason game. If there is one that is important, that's the one that's important. Uh, we don't know how much he will play. He played quarter – less than they wanted him to play in the second game. Mm-hmm. Less than a quarter. They wanted a quarter and a half. He got more like a quarter and a, a series, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so who knows? Maybe – Maybe he plays just a few series or whatever, and then Mark Sanchez plays two quarters and completely wows everybody. Maybe maybe it completely changes, but it seems like right now where we're headed is Trevor Simeon being the next quarterback of the Denver Broncos. Am I way off? I, I No, I, I think it's significant that Trevor has gotten the second consecutive start, um, and I think it's significant that um, – Mark had those two fumbles because that's kind of been the knock against him his whole career. Um, But I would be hesitant to say that it's over at this point. I think as we've seen throughout this whole process, a lot can change in an instant. I think when this all started, um, it was widely believed that Mark Sanchez had a lock on on the lead job, that there was no way a, a seventh rounder out of Northwestern could possibly emerge as, you know, the leading candidate or that Paxton Lynch could, uh, or that Paxton Lynch would even be the number three. You know, he's a first-round quarterback. First-round quarterbacks are expected starters at some point. Um, So, you know, I I think this competition, yes, I think Trevor has an edge right now, a very clear edge, but I would, you know, I wouldn't say it's over. 
Um, curious to see what happens Saturday if they can clean up their mistakes. Um, you also have to kind of factor in Trevor's sh- uh, shoulder soreness, not as not because it's serious, just you know, you think about the what ifs down the road. If he if he gets injured significantly, what does that mean for the Broncos? What do they do, and how are they factoring in that possibility and thinking of their three quarterbacks? Uh, judging by or taking the temperature of my Twitter mentions, mm. um, I would guess that Broncos fans are are basically 33% 33% of fans are in favor of each quarterback. I mean it seems pretty split among fans. I can I can dispel the possibility right now. Correct me if I'm wrong, Nikki. I think we're probably in a group. Paxton Lynch is not going to be the starter in the first game. Like this is we're way past this. In, in the first game, yes. Um, could he be the starter at some point in the season? Yes. Yeah, right, which is a whole other yes. can of worms that we will <laughs> which makes this, open. It ex- that shows why this situation is so unique. And, I, you know, you look at last season with Peyton. I mean, all bets are off after you bench uh, a future Hall of Famer. So yeah. um, the leash is short for whoever will start in week one. L- let me um, go against my, maybe myself here right now. T- twice in the history of the NFL, twice in the history of the Super Bowl, has a Super Bowl winning quarterback not returned to his team the following year? It's happened twice. Mm-hmm. Once was the Denver Broncos when John Elway retired. They came back the next year, presumably to start Bubby Brister, the veteran, but they didn't. They chose instead young Brian Greasy, mm-hmm. uh, and they went six and ten that year. Mm-hmm. So they went with a young guy and struggled. The next season, they also didn't have the caliber defense at this Broncos. Well, hold on, hold on, okay, hold, hold on, because the other time that it happened was the Baltimore Ravens. They replaced Trent Dilver with Elvis Gerback, who had a little bit more experience at the time. They got to the, they won a playoff game that year. Mm-hmm. They finished, they they got a wild card spot into the playoffs. So essentially, they chose a more veteran mm-hmm. presence. Mm-hmm. And were more successful than the Broncos were in going young. It's a, it's a very small sample size. In yeah. 50 years of the Super Bowl, it's only happened twice. But the two the two examples that we have, the team that went with experience did better the did better in replacing the quarterback right. after winning the Super Bowl. I don't know if that necessarily translates to the Broncos, but mm-hmm. um, what wh- do we know? L- let me put you on the spot, Nikki. Um, the the knock that I've heard against Mark Sanchez is that we know what he is. We know that he will turn the ball over. He has something like basically the same number of interceptions in his career as he does touchdown passes, and that this that doesn't even take into account the number of times that he's fumbled. But do we know that Trevor Simeon's not this that? I mean, we don't know anything. No, we don't. That's what adds to the intrigue. He is still a rookie. You know, he's very much a rookie. Uh, He's had one regular season snap, uh, and that was a kneel down in the final seconds of the first half at Pittsburgh. Um, When they talk about experience here, it carries a little bit different meaning, only because Trevor has more experience in the system and with Coach Gary Kubiak than any of the other two. Um, One one full season jump start. Right. Right. Yeah. And and that's significant. Um, 
because while Mark has experience in um, a similar system and he has playoff experience and just more game experience in general, um, he's still dealing with a transition too. So um, all three different quarterbacks are in very different positions and it's it's a unique race, a very unique race, especially when you consider what they've come from the Broncos and what they've had in years past. I mean, this is a franchise that has featured John Elway, Peyton Manning, Jake Plummer. I mean, to go from times like that to this where it's completely open and you got guys that are not only new to the team but inexperienced, it's it's unprecedented. Overall, give a grade, not a grade, but your impression of, let's stick to Trevor Simeon and Mark Sanchez. Com- compare them so far through training camp and preseason up to this point. Mm-hmm. What don't you, you don't even bother breaking it down specifically. Mm-hmm. Just has one looked better to you? What, what what do you like from them or dislike? Have you can you give an edge to one or the other? Um, John, let's right. pretend you're John Elway. <laughs> right. Um, I I think the edge. To me, it goes with Simeon just because of those turnovers, and that's big. That's yeah. what they wanted to correct all along. You know, they're not looking to have the offense of 2013. They're looking for one that can protect the ball. Mm-hmm. So I think that carries more weight than anything. Mark, he has the experience, and you can't replicate that at this point. So, you know, when OTAs and training camp began – my thinking was this was his job to lose because he had that built-in edge, um, just an experience. And he's very poised. He, he says all the right things. He works his butt off out there. He did everything he promised he would do when he came here, which was build a rapport with his teammates, mm-hmm. learn the playbook, and get involved in the community. He's done everything. Mm-hmm. It's just those turnovers that kill him out there. And it's not like he's he's playing terribly – Otherwise, either. You know, he's had some good drives. He's had some impressive throws. It's just you remember the bad spots more than the good ones, unfortunately. Yeah, and I think really big picture, um, neither of them have been bad. Mark Sanchez has right. not played bad. He's They've played very, I would say, very average. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we'll get out of the Broncos this season mm-hmm. as a very average quarterback, mm-hmm. which is fine. It'll be – average would be an improvement for them, really, right. to be honest. So if if their if their quarterback whoever it is ranks somewhere like around fifteen or sixteen in the league this year, man, that's ace. They, they'll take that in a second, I would imagine. And I think that's what we see so far, yeah. even between them. And and you're right, there are some differences, especially with turnovers. But they've been pretty pretty average, right? Yeah, I mean, especially if you compare the offense in these two preseason games to the averages of last year, their regular season. It's an improvement already. Yeah. I mean, everybody's focusing on um, the nitty-gritty with this quarterback race, but if you look at the whole, they're already, uh, you know, ahead of where they were. If you, you know, I know the preseason is a little different because you're rotating guys, but, you know, you still got that defense behind them. So, yeah, I, to me what's interesting is I, you know, like I said, coming in, I thought the experience would play in Mark's favor. And right now I almost wonder if his past, is almost hurting him in a yeah. sense that this is be- this has been an issue for her seven plus years now, and I wonder if you know those upstairs are thinking, well, if he can't correct it by now, is it fixable for him? Um, whereas Trevor, 
you know, he's inexperienced. There's no way around that. Um, and he's got issues he's got to correct, too. Um, I, I do wonder if they look at that as like, oh, we can mold him and, and develop him from, you know, the start. Right. Okay, well, now, now you're really going to be John Elway. Um, let's say. Do you realize I'm wholly unqualified for this? <laughs> I know, everybody is. Uh, but w- from what from what we know, from what you know, let, let's let's play hypothetically right now. Let's say Trevor Simeon is your starting quarterback against Carolina on September eighth. What is Mark Sanchez on this football team at that point? Very good question. Um, to me, that's a more intriguing question than who will be the starter in week one because yeah. that starter label, like I said, doesn't carry the same meaning as it has in years past. They could change at any point. Mark Sanchez, if I, if he's not the starter, my gut feeling is he m- won't make the team because of what it will cost the Broncos. If the, he's got a $4.5 million deal, $1, one million of that is guaranteed. So if they cut him, if he doesn't make the roster, they save $3.5 million plus that conditional draft pick they give up to Philly in the trade. Um, you know, they could always ask him to take a pay cut, and they save a little money. But it's that draft pick that I'm like, well, do you want to give up a draft pick, even if it's a little round draft pick, for a guy that's not on the field producing regularly? You know, and people will say, oh, what if it's just a low-round pick. I'm like, Trevor Simeon's a low-round pick. Yeah. I mean, think of it could it's valuable any way you look at it. So that's that's where I feel like they may they may cut him or and try to get, like, a, a cheaper veteran to hold him over as an insurance policy. Um, but that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, they're not, they don't have cap issues. I mean, they're not trying to get under the cap at all. And three and a half million dollars in the big picture is not a lot, but it's still three and a half million dollars. It's still it's not nothing. Right. What do what, if you're Mark Sanchez? You 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 I I would imagine he would not mind going. You think he could find a job? Yeah, he could find another job for sure. The other question is, it, would this be the end of any? possibility of starting for yeah, him. Yeah. Um, he could find another job as a reserve. I mean, he's he's a talented guy. I mean, this isn't – we're not saying he, this is the end of his career. I don't believe that for a minute. I still think he's incredibly talented. Yeah. Um, he did go to back-to-back AFC championship games with the Jets. Um, but, you know, this was a big opportunity. And when you think of the issues that still kind of haunt him – you have to wonder, you know, everybody else is looking at this. If he can't win the starting job here, can he win it elsewhere? To me, I, I have trouble saying that, but I, you never know. You never know, honestly. It's a difficult – it would be a difficult spot for him to catch on to a team late like this, but somebody always wants a quarterback of his caliber. It, it's I, – I would imagine he would not have difficulty finding a job. What are you looking for? In the most important preseason game of the preseason, if there is such a thing, mm-hmm. Broncos against the Los Angeles Rams. Mm. I'm still tr- struggling with that a little bit, mm. but uh, are we are, with the quarterbacks? Are we just really? Are we seriously just looking at them not screwing up? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to find a nice one. Yes, you want to see who's not going to turn the ball over yeah. because that's been that's been you know the key this whole time you know they've all had good throws they've all had their you know moments of brilliance in the games 
But they've all had the turnovers, too, and the turnovers have been the sticking point. And that's one thing Gary Kubik has stressed throughout this entire process. And something John Elway has stressed, too, is, you know, we're not looking for the highest scoring offense. This isn't that team that they were in 2013. They have an amazing defense behind them. They have to protect the ball and get the run game going. (laughs) Which is not – this is not – that's not a good way to approach a football game. I mean, it just if your quarterbacks are sitting around um, trying to not mess up, then I no, but I think we got to clarify. It's not not messing up. It's not turning the ball over. Um, you, you have to protect the ball, yeah. plain and simple. Um, and then from there, you get the run game going. You know, then you look at the other battles on the field. But the competition for the quarterbacks, for me anyway, has come down to ball security. I mean, they all have their own – they have very different styles in the huddle, but they all have their own sense of leadership in the huddle. Um, they all have good arms. They're all mobile. It's a ball security. You know, they can't afford to have the turnovers that they did last year. One interesting carryover from this whole process, Nikki. I don't know how interesting this is. Kind of interesting. You're not selling it well. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, it's – the we, because the the whoever whoever the eventual starting quarterback for the Broncos will be, he's had this share a lot of time where normally they would be using that time to get prepared for the season. I think we could see one. I think we could see the starting quarterback get maybe some significant time in that fourth preseason game. I really wonder, just um, just for just to get uh, find the find a more you know. Um. For reps, for rip, for rhythm. Maybe I also think once they name it, um, things will settle down a little bit, and then you don't want to wear them out before the season. So I would think that'd also be a pretty big game for the number three person if there are still three oh, by yeah. then. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see. I think you know all eyes are on, you know, maybe Monday or Tuesday next week. You know, is the decision going to come down as early as then? Quite possibly. It was Monday this week, and Gary Kubiak said he plans to name one next week. So, you know, it's coming to an end. It had to come to end. I thought it would have ended earlier. Kubiak and others said they kind of expected it to drag on to this point. But, you know, it's, it's got to come to a head sooner or later. Lots to look for, Nikki. Indeed. It's Indeed. fun. It's fun. We'll, Get the popcorn ready. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, keep, uh, we'll keep chasing it, and we'll find out. Well, there's a we'll we'll certainly find out if someone, it's it's certainly someone's job to win if they want it, or Trevor's job to win if he really excels. I think they need a quarterback to play. I've heard that's probably you kind of need one of those. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go home today with, with, content in the firm knowledge that the Broncos need a quarterback this season. Not only need, but we'll have one. <laughs> and will need and will yes. Last half will. <laughs> Nikki, thank you very much. Back on the First in Orange podcast, DenverPost.com. I'm Nick Groke here with Cam the Ram, Cameron Wolf. Uh, that's not going to work. I don't know if I like Cam. <laughs> do, I, I, don't, do you, I, don't, I only say Cam the Ram, A, because it rhymes, B, because that's the Colorado State mascot. Yeah. 
I don't know if I like that. No, I don't. No, I, 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 I don't know if Colorado State is going to accept me <laughs> as their their mascot. Um, I don't really have a, a great connection with them. You well, know. Also, you it would be this is ridiculous. It would be Cam the Ram Wolf. Like that's just too much. Yeah, that's too many animals and and one thing I got to choose. You know, <laughs> right, right. I'm already Derek Wolf's cousin, right, so I yeah. can't also be a Ram and and be the same as a CSU mascot. Right. No. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I'll uh, I'll work on that. More importantly. Cameron, you ran through Broncos roster projections. Um, what are we three less, a little less than three weeks before? Yeah, little, final cuts. Yeah, a little less than three weeks. Uh, all closing about two weeks. Final cuts are September third. Um, so we're 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 right around the corner. There's two more preseason games, but it comes quickly. You know, those things come quickly. First cuts August thirtieth. Um, so that's a little over a week away. Um, so yeah, it's it's about time to show up or. or or get gone. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of players probably have an idea now that yep. if they're on the bubble. Um, they they've kind of seen where their um, their where their role falls with this team or lack of role, whatever. Still, ninety guys out there though. There are some interesting choices to be made. Mm-hmm. Um, you ran through every single position. Let's let's start with some highlights. Um, it seems. Uh, you and you wrote about this. Um, maybe just three running backs. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's tough because you always want to keep everybody, and that, yeah. that's a tough thing that a position coach gets into. But you look at a, uh, a Broncos team this year that's carrying a fullback, which changes their setup a lot. Um, and he essentially is a running back, so you're essentially keeping four running backs with the fullback. Um, and for them wanting to keep six receivers, which we'll also talk about, um, they, they have to go light somewhere. And running back is really the spot. Um, ideally, you only keep three or four running backs active on game day. So if all three four of those guys play special teams, or at least the back end of them do, then you're able to get away with that. You know, If you've got a guy in your third running back that doesn't play special teams, then maybe you have to keep four and get another special teams player. So I think keeping three and three I pick, C.J., Devontae, and Capri Bibbs um, as the three there, I think that really forms them with a, a one-two deal, duo with C.J. and Devontae and the Capri backing them up and also a, a heavy contributor on special teams, which is key for that three bet. Well, all right, because this is a whole can of worms here. But yeah. So let's back up for a second because um, you're right. If, if they keep Andy Janovich, which they almost certainly will, as fullback, it really does change their program because, you, in a way, we should be looking at him as a kind of running back. He might, he'll might he probably get carries even. Yeah. Uh, we haven't seen it a lot uh, in training camp and preseason, but, he, I mean, he certainly would be capable, certainly in, as a sh- you know, short, short yardage, yardage guy. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, – the one, the one for one on when you're when you're talking about roster numbers, the the sort of one for one is with receivers. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's sort of like if you take away one from one, you have to. It would probably go to the other. What, right. You know, it's right. especially with with players in those positions doing double duty on special teams. So are we? Are we so, but are we really? Does this mean that they they really are comfortable with Jordan Norwood and Jordan Taylor and et cetera playing? On in like punt coverage and and kickoff cover. I mean, is this yeah. what we're going to be seeing? I, th- I think you do. I think the interesting one. Um, I think Jordan Norwood's pretty safe at this point. Okay. Um, there's a lot to be decided these last two games, but um, what we saw at, uh, the game versus Chicago and the game versus San Francisco. Um, 
Khalif Raymond was on a, a big high going into those games. He had a great tra- training camp performance. He was a star. Um, he was really neck and neck with Jordan Norwood, and some would say ahead uh, for that that really that one spot as the punt returner slash receiver. Um, but he hasn't impressed these last couple games. He was blatantly pretty bad these last couple games. Yeah. Um, obviously, as a, a college free agent, you got to take every chance. You got to take every return. But he didn't get past the 20 on kick returns, uh, punt returns. You know, you didn't see much. And you go with a Norwood because he's more reliable. You know exactly what you're going to get. You know, he might burst out on a good one, but every time he'll give you a solid a solid return, mm-hmm. no no fumbles, no none of that. And there's something to say about consistency. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what ends up giving him a spot over Raymond and Braylon Addison, who's also done some returning. Those guys could be practice squad guys. I think uh, if they get through waivers, um, and they're also impressive for other teams, you know. If the Broncos don't keep them, maybe some other team uh, likes them as a returner. But I think Norwood's fairly safe. I think the question comes in Taylor. He's a guy that uh, a lot of guys like, big guy, 6'4", made the Odell Beckham crazy right. catch. But can he play special teams, as you mentioned? Yeah. And what value does he have on game day? Because that's the big question. He has a role – but if you're not going to play him and he doesn't play yeah. special teams, do you keep him? Yeah. Um, so that, that, that's a big question. Yeah, the, it's funny how, how expectations change for Khalif Raymond. Uh, undrafted college free agent at a holy cross. Like right. I, I'm, I, really, I was really hoping he'd make the team just so we could say Khalif Raymond out of holy cross, right. comma, <laughs> all season long. But, uh, but really, I mean – a player in his position, he's undersized. Um, they list him at 5'11". I think he's not 5'11", 5'10", no, no. whatever. Uh, to be on the practice squad is probably a pretty good position for him, or a pretty good spot for him, a pretty realistic outcome for him. And and no shame in it because he can, he, he, you know, spend some time on the practice squad and maybe he they're, – they're, the Broncos are going to – we'll get to this. Broncos are going to have some players in the practice squad who will play for this team this year yeah. f- almost certainly. Yeah, there's a lot of guys on this team that – will get picked up from other teams, first of all. Yeah. And secondly, the practice squad has been like a, a gold mine for the Broncos. Yeah. You look at guys that came from the practice squad and came up. Matt Paradis, their starting center, <laughs> was on the practice squad. And then a year later, he's a starting center. And now he's arguably the leader of the offensive line. Right. Benny Fowler was on the practice squad that same year. And, you know, he's got the elbow injury, but he's, you know, lead for the number three receiver. Yeah. Guy got like Shaq Barrett who's one of their best pass rushers, he was on the practice squad. Zaire Anderson's going to make the team mm-hmm. this year. He's on the practice squad. Uh, you've got all – that's a really a, a, a path to success for the Broncos. So yeah. the practice squad may be like a one-year red shirt in a sense, and that's the way the Broncos use it. Um, yeah. So, yeah. That's, that's actually a really good way to, to think about it because um, they're there. They're around the team all the time. You don't see them on game day, but they're, you know, they're essentially learning how to play the game at a professional level. If they if the Broncos keep three running backs and and six six receivers, mm-hmm. that means that means Ronnie Hillman's out. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Um what why why Capri Bibbs and not Ronnie Hillman? Uh I think it all comes down to special teams. Yeah. Um I think with Ronnie, you, you have that explosiveness. He's a uh, a speed back and he was their leading rusher last year and he had that one two punch with um, with C.J. Anderson, but I think what really cost him was Devontae Booker. Yeah. And Devontae Booker really establishing himself as the true number two back and a guy they can depend on to be the, the load with, with uh, C.J. And then Ronnie's role became a lot more uncertain. Yeah. And he wasn't the guy that ever really played special teams, so that had to be something that was new to him. 
It is not something that's natural. Um, so you look at a guy who's trying to play special teams to make a roster mm-hmm. versus a guy that's already had to do it to work himself up, and they're not that different as far as running backs. You look at a third back, you're not going to get the ball much anyway, so that's going to be more important. Um, so ultimately, I think that's why, and the fact that coaches have been really high on Capri Bibbs this year, mm-hmm. um, and honestly, I mean, Jawan Thompson's not that far away from it either. He's got a tougher case because he's playing fullback more yeah. than running back this year. But he's a great special teams player as well, and he's made the roster the last two years. So he might even have a better argument than Ronnie Hillman at this point. Um, because Ronnie, you know, you can play him at special teams, but that's not what he does. Yeah. You know, and if he's going to be third running back, you got to play special teams. Yeah, if you look – if you're an NFL player and you look around in training camp and you see somebody else who's basically the same as you, you're in trouble because mm-hmm. – you can't have two. You can't have two people who are the same. You're just wait. You're, it's like duplication. Right. It's wasted duplication. Um, but uh, what, what? What? Let's let's get off running backs and wide receivers for a second. Um, who else is who? Who are like the most bubble players right now on the roster? Yeah, I'll look at. Um a couple outside linebackers, and I got a lot of comments on this when I did the roster projection. I think this is the most common argument back and forth. The Broncos kept nine linebackers last year, um, and typically what they do is keep four inside and five outside. Um, the the core guys are pretty secure. Demarcus Vaughn, um, Shaq Shane, uh, Brandon Marshall, Todd Davis, probably Corey Nelson, and I think Zaire Anderson are probably your, your, your eight locks. And then at ninth spot, likely goes to an outside linebacker. And the two guys I think that have the best chance are Dakota Watson, mm. uh, journeyman veteran, and uh, Vontarius Dora, who they call Dora the Explorer yeah. Um, yeah. around Broncos country, um, who had two sacks against Chicago. And he's a college free agent out of Louisiana Tech. Yeah. Um, so those are really two guys competing. And they both played well throughout training camp and uh, preseason. I went with Dakota Watson. Um, ultimately, I think he's a little bit more consistent. I think he's a guy who's better in the scheme. Uh, Dora had that really good game, but if you went back and look on tape, a couple, both of his sacks were based on other players' rushes, and he kind of finished. Um, he's a guy that you see him a lot, getting a lot of extra coaching with Wade. Um, he's a guy that's probably a perfect practice squad candidate if you can get him through um, because he still needs some learning. But after you saw what he saw did yeah. on film, it's going to be tough to get him through. So ultimately, that might be what gets him on the roster. Just the fact that if you want to keep him, you have to keep him on the roster. But I, th- yeah. I think it, if it comes down to who's the better player, I think you go with Watson. We're we're at Dove Valley right now. I think the Broncos are probably if if <laughs> this room the room we're in is probably not mic'd. But if it were, <laughs> they'd be running in right now, just saying like, don't stop talking about Dakota Watson <laughs> and Von Terrestore because they. Because they're they're gonna they're gonna cut those two dudes and cross their fingers, yeah, or one of them, because mm-hmm. they I'm sure they would love to have one of those dudes on the practice squad, right? But I mean it's probably fifty fifth. There I mean they can end up on another team easy, easy. Yeah. Um, but if if they could get if they could sneak one of those guys on the practice squad, I mean that's ideal mm-hmm. for the Broncos because they're they're certainly capable of playing in the NFL even this season, right? Uh, at some point. Um, offensively, are, are we are are we looking at surprises at all on the roster? It, w- it would have to come on the on the offensive line just because yeah. it's so fluid. I don't I don't know. Yeah, I, I think maybe offensive line. I think they're pretty steady. Um, you look at guys like 
really they've got to figure out who's going to be that starting right guard. Um, you got to figure out what's going on with Ty's Sombrello's health. Um, they think they're shooting for opening day, but he's still got that huge cast on his elbow. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he's going to be ready opening day. And if not, does he stay on your roster? Does he go on a, a PUP list or something like that? What do you do with them? Um, they're pretty set with the guys behind them. Ferenz is probably going to be the backup center. Uh, Weems is probably going to make the roster. McGovern, uh, the rookie they like a lot, is probably going to make the roster. And then Schofield's a guy who's going to be that swing tackle and make the roster as well. Maybe they keep 10. Um, yeah. Typically, they keep nine. They kept nine last year. But if they feel like injuries are a concern, maybe they keep a 10. I don't really know a 10. Maybe that's a guy they, they pick off off the waiver wires that another team cuts. Or, or maybe a guy like a Aaron Neary, um, a college free agent, he might be a guy. I think I had him as a practice squad candidate, but maybe they like him a lot. Um, I think an think a, a interesting spot on the offense is the tight end spot. Um, yeah. Ultimately, you got Virgil Green. He's going to be the guy. Um, Jeff Hireman, there's still a lot of question marks. He's been injured more than he's been on the field. Yeah. Um, that's got to frustrate Kubiak a lot, and you don't know what you have with him. Yeah. But he's a third-round pick last year, so yeah. you got to keep him in a sense. And behind him, you got to figure out what do you do. I only had three tight ends. Kubiak loves the tight end, so I wouldn't be yeah. surprised to see him go four. Um, but then you got to go light somewhere else. Maybe you got to keep five receivers then if you go four yeah. tight ends. Um, but I've got John Phillips making the roster um, as a third tight end. Mostly because he can block, yeah. and uh, you need that as your your third tight end. Um, Henry Kriegel Koval is the college free agent guy. They like a lot. He's undersized. He's a good receiver, but he's small. And yeah. Kubiak mentions it every time we talk. He's like, "I wish yeah. he was bigger. Yeah. I wish he was bigger." That's the perfect sign for a practice squad guy. If you need to get bigger, you need to do those things. We groom you on the practice squad, get you ten pounds, and have you ready next year. Um, so, but tight end is a spot across the league where everybody's looking for talent. So yeah. he's another guy that might not squeeze through. Yeah, the Bron back on uh, to the offensive lineman. That's one position where the Broncos should not worry about teams poaching their cuts. <laughs> like if they want to, like whoever doesn't make it can go on a practice squad. They're not right. nobody's going to be. Um, but yeah, tight end. It's crazy about Hireman because when he's been on the field, he's looked good, but. Virgil Green has been so good. Right. It's like he's leaving Jeff Hireman in the dust. Like, um, they, Virgil Green is just destroying this preseason um, as a, as a, all, or, all over the place. Right. As a, as a pass catcher and a blocker. The only thing he's not doing, and he said how thankful he was that he's not doing it, he's <laughs> playing fullback. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, which he had to do last season. But, um, yeah, it, it man. If if Jeff Hireman, who has not practiced with a hamstring injury lately, continues to be out, man, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe they have to do have to use a fourth tight end somehow. Right. I mean that that kind of hurts because that's yeah. not what they would expect. And that to have means to you got to go light somewhere. Right. Yeah. I mean these are the kinds of crazy things that keep that keep a GM up at night. Um, defensively. Um, and what, what, what just straight up any, any surprises defensively? Uh, no, they're so I mean, set. They're, they're so they're set. set. You know, it's it's almost in a sense where you have too much talent. Yeah. And I I probably say there's at least five or six guys that are going to cut from this roster and are going to yeah. be somebody else's fifty three man roster and start. 
They're gonna yeah. they're gonna go somewhere and start yeah. at some point this season. These guys are gonna be players. Like yeah. a, a guy they cut about a month ago, Shaneel Jenkins. He was one of their first cuts off their ninety man roster, and he's a legitimate candidate to make the Dallas roster yeah. as a defense end. He's a guy they they were like, no, you got no shot, yeah. not even a practice squad candidate, and he might make the Dallas roster. Yeah. And that's a guy that was cut a month ago. Yeah. So yeah. imagine the guys that are going to the final cuts. This is the depth that they have on this unit. There was really no spots to give out. If you got the best defense in the league, you're not really gonna have that many spots. Um, so that's tough. Well, so do you? So what do you think? Do you do you gamble? Do you gamble depth at other positions to just try to con- like for contract reasons only? Right. Try to keep guys on your roster defensively, looking to the future. Yeah. That's a tough. It it is tough, and I think a lot of these conversations are gonna have. Um, at the bottom of the roster is do you do you keep guys because of potential? Yeah, and that's a lot of the what teammates, coaches have to decide. And GMs like this guy might not play for us; he might not be ready yet. But two years from now, he could be a starter from us. Right. So do we keep him because we don't want to risk losing him? Yeah. And just kind of stash him. Um, and this is a this is the type of year where you see a lot of those stash injuries too, yeah. where a guy pulls his hammy or sprains his ankle and yeah. goes on IR for the year so the team can keep him. Yeah. Don't be surprised if you see a couple of those on positions where they're not quite sure how we're going to keep both guys. Right. We'll keep one and then we'll kind of injury stash another. But yeah, you can see them keep a lot of potential guys. So you know, that's what happens with a lot of college free agents, like guys like uh, like like Dora that we were mentioning mm-hmm. or Kriegel Koble or a Kyle Pecko, another guy on the defensive line, that's going to have a tough time making this roster because they already have two nose tackles, and he would be the third, but they like him. So what do you do? Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And it, it's fun. The, there's, no, there's no cap problems. It's not a money issue for the Broncos. Um, they're not, they're, they won't be making cuts because they want to save money. I mean, if, it all, if, there, if there's two players who are all things are equal – you 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 would take the cheaper option, but that's not really where they're at. They're really looking at just they're they're the the Denver defense is so good. They're they're in such a luxury position with their defense that yeah they're not they're 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 honestly looking at how mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like how much can we how much can we save in the bank with guys who who we don't want on the roster right now but we want them later. I mean that right. I mean, it's yeah. a that's a great a great problem. It's it, a luxury problem. It's lovely. I, yeah. 31 other teams would love to yeah. have it. One one example, guy for you, Lorenzo Doss. Yeah. Guy that's been a train camp star. Yeah. Their fifth cornerback. Yeah. He might be inactive on game day. He would start on half the teams in this league. Oh yeah, no, he's been great. He's been really good. It's crazy. I I have he's he's had the most impressive Training. He had the most impressive training camp interceptions. Did, did, do you think he had the most? I, I think he had the most. I know he had six in about a ten day span. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is incredible. And some of them, they were also the most impressive. Like that, you know, he was taking. I think I saw him return. I mean, return. Yeah, at least like quote, three return. Or four picks yeah, six, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, man, wow. I, I I had almost forgotten that he that he is like almost kind of like a bubble guy. That's amazing. <laughs> right. Um. What what are the things that you that you need you personally need to see coming up? Any any anybody who you're still like I need to see more from this guy? Yeah, um, I, I think a lot of the bubble guys will have to fight throughout. This week will be interesting because you'll see a lot more starters and a lot more heavy end guys for most of the game. Yeah, the fourth game is really where they fight for it all, and it's really like a shit. Uh, it's really like a, 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 a completely 
chaotic uh, mess for the, those bubble spots because you look at, at no starters are going to play, and it's yeah. going to be all backups, and it's going to be everybody fighting for a roster spot. It's boring for fans, but this is really where they make the – the third preseason game is going to be about, you know, how are we going to look in the regular season. So I think this week we want to solidify a lot of those starting positions. Yeah. Um, who's going to be the right guard? Uh, who's going to yeah. be that that second that second tight end if if Jeff Hardman's not ready? Um, who's gonna Who's gonna be um, the third inside linebacker? Is it going to be Zaire Anderson? Is it going to be Corey Nelson? Some of those key guys that are really going to play. I think those things get solved in this game, and then next week will be really the bubble guys and who's going to really make those those final cuts as far as the last two or three spots. Uh, one more here. What if I'm if I'm drafting a fantasy team, mm-hmm. who am I looking at for the Broncos? Oh, that's a good question. Defense. Okay. I mean, no. Well, I mean, yeah, if you're yeah, in a yeah. if you're in a league with, that takes a team defense, a team defense, I mean, that's got to be. Yeah, you, if you're if you're looking at a team defense, the Broncos are, are your top choice. Yeah, it's got to be pretty simple. They turn, they get sacks, they uh, they get turnovers, they get everything. Uh, as far as fantasy, run away from the quarterbacks. Don't yeah, take yeah, any no. quarterbacks. No Paxton, no Trevor, no Mark. Yeah. Just run away. There's there's no need. Not even – I don't care if you got 15, 16 teams. There's no need for a Broncos quarterback until further notice. No, no. <laughs> no, not, not even as, like, your emergency backup. Like, they're, they're not they're, – yeah. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're going to produce no, no points. All right. No, no. Whatever. No. But, yeah. Listen to me. I, 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 know, I know people are going to be kind of shaky about this one because they had – some folks might have had bad experiences with them last year. But draft C.J. Anderson. Um, I know yeah. last year he was a first-round pick candidate, and he busted, and Ronnie Hillman had more yards, and people were getting angry at him. This He'll be good this year, and he I, I'm pretty sure he's at a lower rating. I'm sure you probably get him in the fourth or fifth round. Um, but he's a guy that's looked better. He's looked slimmer. He's looked, uh, he's looked stronger, and he's looked more uh, like he has more to prove. Um, you look at a guy like a Devontae Booker in the later rounds, he's another guy that you're going to want to get. Um, if you know worst case scenario, he just gets hurt a lot. Yeah. So you can't control that, and Booker's going to see a lot of time um, as a receiver and a runner as well. So I think both of those guys are draftable guys, and I think those are guys you want um, pretty heavily. Um, the the key the key there, if you're looking for production from a running back, they'll probably split time, mm-hmm. but the number the the total. N- amount of time for Broncos running backs is going to spike so high. It, they're not going to be splitting the, the number of carries that they that the Broncos had last year. They're going to be splitting an increased number of carries this year because they're definitely going to be running the ball a ton. C.J. Anderson seems to off, off topic here a little bit because, uh-huh. like you, you said, he looks slimmer. slimmer. To me, he seems faster. Yeah. He says he's not fast. Yeah. <laughs> I, I said, are you, are you faster? He said, come, he laughed at it. Yeah. I think he kind of does. He he got around. He got off tackle uh, against San Francisco, like pretty quick, man. Right. I don't know. Like he's got a surprising burst. That's really been his his mo. And he 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 spent a lot of time this offseason running. Yeah. He'll he'll tell you. He tells me all the time. I hate running. <laughs> yeah. You know. He if it's involving running, it's not going to be me. We were talking yeah. Olympics, and he was like, "What race would you be worse at?" And he said. Anything running, I'd be in the eighth lane and I'd be in eighth place. Yeah. Um, and he accepts that. But when it comes to, to running the football, 
He's yeah. got an amazing burst. We saw that when he ran that game winner back against New England last yeah. year. This even this preseason run we ran against a touchdown um, against against uh, San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, he's got a burst, and he might not be a guy who runs past you in the forty, but if you if you get even with you, he'll leave you. Receivers. Mm-hmm. This is a, this this potentially could be in a fantasy league a good pick on the Broncos because they're very good receivers. I'm thinking right. of two, Damaris Thomas and Manuel Sanders. Right. Manuel Sanders in contract year, he has a lot to prove. True. Uh, or or he's he's hoping for a contract. Anyway, Damaris Thomas coming off a not very good season last mm-hmm. year, yeah. but he's he's completely he's changed. Right. He he's going to Will they get enough are the, are the Broncos quarterbacks good enough and will there be enough opportunity for the receivers to to be a good pick in a fantasy league. That's a tough one. Um, I would, if it was me, if it was my fantasy team, I'd probably stay away just to be yeah. safe. Um, it's really tough because they're both really good receivers. And honestly, if you look at their production, um, if you're in a PPR league, DT's had over 90 catches each of the last yeah. four years. Um, he had over 1,300 yards in each of the last four years. So he has those fancy football numbers. He hadn't produced as well as Broncos fans would have liked. Yeah. But he, he's a, been a, a pretty solid fancy football receiver. He goes empty for weeks at a time, which yeah. really hurts. You know, he'll give you a 30-point week, and then he'll give you a three the next week. Yeah. So you're like, ah, what should I do? Um, Emmanuel's more consistent. Um, he hit, he had 1,100 yards last year, yeah. which was kind of quiet. But, he you know, he's still been productive. You you wonder because Peyton and Brock weren't great last year, no, um, and they still were able to get those numbers. So a part of me says they're still going to get theirs. Yeah, you know, um, if anybody gets cut out, it's not going to be them. But you know, it's it's hard to depend on a, a quarterback to to get your receiver 100 yards or a touchdown every game that you need to start a receiver in fantasy. Yeah, we mentioned him earlier, but if you're looking for if you're looking for somebody who's who can be productive in a way that jumps significantly from a previous year, Virgil Green would be a great choice. Yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think he could be a sleeper candidate for a lot of guys. Um, you look at the big tight ends, and he's not going to be one of those. But he could be a guy as your second tight end yeah. or maybe as a low end first if you're if you're really picking late in like the 10th or 11th round and you're saying, hey, what guy can we get? He's a guy who's shown up, and yeah. he hasn't been a number one tight end a lot. But usually with young quarterbacks or guys or quarterbacks that are not really comfortable with their system yet, the tight end is their best friend because they're right in front of them. Right. They're right usually open. You can see them easy. You can yeah. see them easy. They're yeah. big, and they go up there and catch passes over the middle. Yeah. So there are a lot of safer options. So usually tight ends get, get more action for those younger uh, quarterbacks. So I think that could be a, a good safety value. He, he's not going to – give you 150 yards and a touchdown every game, but he can give you some consistent low-end production. Yeah. Yeah, right. Um, it could be a frustrating team, though, fantasy-wise this yeah. year. I don't yeah. know. I, yeah. I, I wouldn't would... have too many Broncos. <laughs> Maybe yeah. one or two and just kind of see how it goes, but don't don't litter your team and, and call them the, 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 the defending Super Bowl champions yeah, and hope man. that you could duplicate the roster. Yeah, that, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure there will be a lot of people making that very mistake. Oh, man, Super Bowl champ. Let's. i, I got a default. Yeah, I'm gonna default draft this guy. <laughs> no, no, that'd be a mistake. All right, right on. Um, anything else crazy coming up? 
Uh, no, just ready to see these these last preseason games. Get ready into the season. Uh, eager to see this Carolina game. That should be fun. Vaughn versus Cam again. Yeah. Um, so we'll get past preseason and, and get into the gritty of the uh, regular season. It's coming up fast. Lots to look forward to. Um, keep listening here on, on the first and orange podcast, DenverPost.com. <laughs> Back on the First in Orange podcast, DenverPost.com. I'm Nick Grouk here with Troy Rank, former Denver poster Troy Rank, now KMGH Channel 7. Do you bother saying the, the call letters, KMGH? Do you just say Channel 7? They say uh, Denver 7. Denver 7. Denver 7, yeah. 7 uh, Broncos Insider. Yeah, exactly. The, uh, when I Yeah, when I used to do college radio, the you're supposed to say the call letters like it's a legal obligation. I never did. But we worked at the same radio station. Have we talked about that? KUCB? Yeah, Colorado. It's the University of Colorado. KUCB. I was at KUCB for one semester, and then it became KVCU. Okay. So it's not – yeah, I know it's not KUCB. I remember my dad made a sign for the door, KUCB, the big sign on the outside Your door. D- I remember that. Your dad did that? Uh, yeah, because we had a sign in the sports department. I love KUCB. I worked with Tim Whelan. He's at Channel 4. Eric Christensen was the sports director. Tim was the news director uh, when I first got there. And then Eric was the sports director. I took over as the sports director for one year, and then I was the news director for two years at KUCB. I loved it. It was fantastic. With Al- Alan? Uh, Ted Conti was there, I remember. A bunch of DJs. We yeah, had a, yeah. I remember we had an intramural <laughs> ultimate Frisbee team. <laughs> that was such <laughs> – I don't want to get into that, but that was – and you, had to, you could DJ then. Yeah. So I, my twin brother and I, Tracy, had it. It was like – uh, Beavis and Bobo, this cla- like DV- DJ show. But I learned we learned to DJ and make cards and average. Yeah, it was yeah. fun, man. Yeah. I-, I loved it. Yeah. Now it's Radio Eleven Ninety. That's that's. Is that what it is? Yeah. Is that's it just a uh, closed circuit now. No, it's no. They have it's a good signal. Yeah. yeah. So when we were there, the only way you could hear it was like on campus or off campus on some public access TV station that no one got. You and you had to get like an extension yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. So we literally we were just doing it for resume tapes. I yeah. mean, and we did play by play for the football games. So, yeah. I loved it though. The people were great and I loved the alternative music. Yeah. So to be able to, you know, go in there and go through that was back when it was on vinyl. Yeah. It was really cool. No, that was one of the funnest funnest times. But anyway, let's let's talk about Tim Tebow. Yeah. Seriously. Because this is sort of – this is stupid, but let's put, let's put some stuff to rest. 2011 was an amazing – that was one of the most incredible seasons of any, of any sport, of any team in Denver, Denver history. That was a long time ago. Now, now, now you apparently <laughs> wants to play baseball. Um, if you were the general manager of a major league baseball team, would you send a scout to see Tim Tebow? I mean, that, that's very little investment to just send a scout. But would you even bother doing that? Well, I assume he's going to try out in an area like Scottsdale or L.A. where you'd have so many scouts that, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's, it's a cost, it's not a cost issue. You tell a guy, drive up 50 miles, go watch him um, and see. I mean, it's, it, there's a curiosity factor. You know, it's, it's not around the drafts. So you're not pulling a guy off coverage. I, I wouldn't mind, you know, putting a scout there to watch him. My issue is you and I have talked about, Nick. I mean, it's, it's just a little insulting that – a, it's his dream when it clearly wasn't his dream. No. His dream was to be a quarterback in the NFL. And this idea that, I mean, I just read this stat. It's like 25,000 kids play Little League, and by the time you get to the big leagues, there's 750 players. Mm-hmm. And this idea that, like, oh, I'm 30, I'm just going to pick up baseball. Be like me trying to play PGA golf. 
Man, I played JV golf in high school <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when I was a freshman. So now, 20 years later, oh, yeah. I'm stronger. I'm, I'm much heavier. Yeah. I'm going to drive. I, I can play golf. You know, it just to me, the whole thing's a little hokey. Yeah, no. Even if you, yeah, if you de dedicated, if you worked 12 hours a day, every single day at golf, you, you still wouldn't even sniff the PGA. No, like you, it's you, a skill set. It's a, it's, a, it's a skill set you develop over the course of years. But even then, the guys that do it at the highest level, not only do they practice it, they're just better. Yeah. You can't, it's, you know, there's the outlier, you know, 10,000 hours to get good at something. But in sports, it doesn't apply because you have physical limitations. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter how long I practice, I'm not going to be 6'3, 225 pounds. So that guy's going to be better than me in most cases. Yeah. And in golf, you know, I got, I think my best score in golf is like an 88 in high school golf that JV year. Let's say I devoted my life to, you know, I want to be a high school. What am I going to get to, 76, 74? It's not like it just keeps going down. Kids find that with velocity and pitching when we coach them. I'm like, oh, this kid throws 75 as a freshman, so he's going to throw 88 as a senior. Yeah, not necessarily. Yeah, right, right. It's not this linear path to greatness. Yeah. You plateau in almost everything unless you have a certain skill set that allows you to be great. And, right. not mo and most of us don't. Tim Tebow, though, Troy Rank, he's an athlete. And he just wins. You don't want him on your baseball team? I mean, he's a great teammate. I just, what is his skill set? I thought, see, here's the funny thing. When this story came out, I was driving. So I saw it on Twitter. I'm like, oh, he's coming. He's going to try to be a pitcher, a left-handed pitcher. Yeah. And I get it. All the accuracy jokes, throw the ball in the dirt. Okay, I get it. But left-handed pitchers pitch till they're 50. You know that yeah, from covering yeah. baseball. Like, if you're left-handed and have a pulse, they have interest. Yeah. You know, so I said, well, he's going to try to be a left-handed pitcher. He threw hard in high school. And they're like, no, he's going to come back as a power-hitting outfielder. <laughs> and I was like, what? And then they're like, oh, by the way, ESPN has been filming it, and it's a reality show. So it just has a Kardashian feel to it. Yeah. Like, it's not genuine. It just feel. and now he's already autographing merchandise, yeah. bats and balls. It just feels like it's about getting his name back out there for a platform for other things. And it's just – it's kind of insulting for guys who do this for a career. It's, it's fun I, – I think it's funny to talk about because he's so he's, – he's a completely fish out of water. He, he'll completely fail, flail, flail. Um, he's way too old. Like all – every single box that says he can't do this or shouldn't do this, he can check them. He's the wrong shape. He's too old. He's not very good. <laughs> Whatever. But – and it's funny. Like we can laugh about it. But, yeah, man, if I'm Charlie Blackman, I'm like, you're – you're who's this jerk who thinks he can just come no that's a <laughs> like right. the people who are major leaguers don't just walk into it like you don't just right e even even if he had that amount of talent it's still not gonna it still wouldn't work i mean yeah. it's, I mean, it's, it's so insulting few, there's so few guys who could just show up and play something at a professional level yeah. uh, i mean like mike trout's of the world like who was basically a really good high school football player and then you see him in baseball and like oh my god Bryce Harper's of the world. But most guys are all pretty similar in ability, and it's taken years to develop that skill set, hand-eye coordination. That's the thing. It, baseball, it's a skill set, hand-eye, these really technical skills. That, I'm not saying the sport's some chess match. It's just there's certain skills involved yeah. in baseball that it doesn't matter. Like Michael Jordan, greatest athlete I ever saw live when I was – I can't remember what age I finally got to see him with the Bulls. And then he, watching him hit a curveball, his swing's really long. Yeah. He's six six. He put the time in and like, well, what if he kept doing it? Then what? He hits two twenty. I mean, the thing is, Nick, you know this. Let's say, and they showed the video of Tebow. Yeah, he's strong. He's powerful. He hit a fastball. 
Yeah, 70 mile per hour straight fastball. Yeah. A lot of guys. I could get 10 Broncos out here. Yeah. Jacob Tammy used to be tight end here. We used to joke, let's go over the field over and see how many home runs he can hit. Uh, Eric Decker was a really nice college baseball player. Yeah. Then what stops him? You know this. Changing speed. Yeah. So curveball, change up. That's yeah. what stops guys yeah. from hitting. And this idea that, oh, yeah, you can hit. Yeah, 70 and straight. Yeah. Not 95, then followed by 78, followed by 72, all different directions from different arm slots. I mean, come on. When we, when we replace pitchers with pitching machine robots, he'll, have a, he'll have a chance. And a lot of guys can play because yeah. they know what's coming and yeah. they, know what they, they know the path it's coming on. So, I mean, it's just, uh, it's, yeah. I mean, again, I, I don't know Tebow. I didn't cover the Broncos then. Yeah. Everyone says he's a fantastic person, fantastic teammate. But, again, it's different when you say, let's go hit a baseball. I, I thought he was going to try it as a left-handed pitcher. And then when Gary Sheffield's like, oh, he's got a chance. Sheffield's an agent. I don't know if he's representing him. Yeah. But, I mean, it's like everyone that was saying he had a chance. Chad Moeller, the former Dodgers catcher, smart guy. I think he coached at USC. Oh, he's got a chance. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, I'm working with him on a reality show. I haven't heard one person say objectively, oh, yeah, this could work. Because, like you no, said, right. his age, his body type. I mean, yeah. it's just it w- doesn't make sense. I wouldn't even, yeah, I wouldn't even put him on my rookie league team. I mean, that, I mean, I, I don't even, I don't even. I, I, I can see if, independent league baseball because those yeah, guys maybe. have been told by the minor league system, fairly or not, you're not a prospect on any level. Yeah. Because most guys, even when they're in the minor leagues, they're just there for the prospects to have a place to play. Right. So if every minor league team tells you you're not a prospect. I don't see him as taking a job away from a guy in independent baseball. No, no, no. That's different. That's kind of a barnstorming tour, and you're yeah. getting guys off the street to play. Uh, but in minor league baseball, let's say he signs and goes to rookie league or class A. I mean, I know people are saying that you're being stupid, Troy, but you're taking at-bats <laughs> away from a kid whose whole life was this. Right, yeah. And that's eight at-bats or 16 at-bats. Yeah that he devoted his life to getting yeah and then it's like oh here comes the carnival act let him take him i mean it's just like it's un- it's fundamentally unfair unless tebow shows some kind of acumen that he earns it that's different if you put him in the instructional league you mm-hmm. sign him put him in the instructional league he hits you want to sign him to your rookie ball team and he's hit okay but to just run him out there for attendance a i mean come on yeah. and secondly you're costing a kid whose dream was yeah. to play yeah yeah. And, and that kid may never make it, but it, that's not the point. Yeah, It was his dream. Tebow's dream, as far as I can tell, unless I totally misread this, was to be an NFL quarterback. Yeah, no, right. He didn't and wake he, up one day and say, I want to, you know, apparently he did wake up saying, oh, I always wanted to be a big league outfielder. Really? Yeah. I thought you wanted to be an NFL quarterback. I thought he wanted to be on TV, which he, maybe that's on TV. Yeah. I think he's really good on the SEC network. Yeah. And that's why it's like, really? Really? Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't like it. But, again, to send a scout, sure. What do you have to lose? Yeah. I mean, somebody's lunch you're going to pay and, you know, 40-mile round trip or something. I mean, yeah, yeah why not? Uh, but the idea that he's going to compete at a professional level in baseball, I'm just saying, find me the examples of where that's, no matter how great an athlete you are. Find, it, it, again, the, most, the comparison I would say is golf. Yeah. You know, how many guys that hit it on the weekend links and go, oh, yeah, I could play on the PGA Tour. It's like, you think so? Really? No, Do you? Yeah. You ever try to go to the Q school? Yeah. See the guys that don't get in? Yeah. Those guys are pretty freaking good. Yeah. It's, I'll, I'll contend this forever, though. That season that he had with the Broncos was so amazing. I don't even, I don't even feel guilty that we're even still talking about him because it was so incredible. Right. <laughs> 
Like, this is why we're still talking about him, because it was so incredible. I don't even – I'm not embarrassed. Some people are going to be like, why are you still talking about Tebow? Well, because – Well, I always, I always said about that season, I remember on Twitter, because I was not covering it, was it was much easier to just appreciate than explain. No, right. It yeah. made no sense. <laughs> no, it didn't. I mean, it was, he's the worst quarterback in the history of the NFL for three and a half quarters. And for a half quarter, he was John Elway with comebacks. Yeah. And because some of it was, yeah, they were in two-minute defense, you know, and prevent defense and whatever. I remember with being, because my kids were playing basketball at that time, so we were being all these different gyms on Sundays when they're playing basketball, and people surrounding TVs or watching. It was, it was yeah. must-see TV. And I'll never forget the game that I thought, oh, my God. And the only other thing I've covered like this was the Rockies in October where right. everything fell into place. But the one game was that Bears game yeah. where they're going to lose, and Barber inexplicably runs out of bounds. Yeah. Like there's only way they have a chance <laughs> is if the Bears somehow stop the clock. And next play, literally yeah. I'm telling my kids, I'm like, well, this it's going to end now. It's kind of cool. Barber <laughs> runs out of bounds. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God. And – and the Saturday Night Live sketch did do an ode to this. Give credit to Prater because he was nailing like 60-yard field yeah, goals yeah. in every one of these games. Yeah. But it was really cool. I'm, it was really cool because I wasn't covering it. Yeah. I was just watching as a sports fan. Yeah. Like, man, this is – because they went, what, they go 7-1 and one in those eight games? It, 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 had, a, it had the week-to-week must-see feel to it even way more than the Broncos Super Bowl season last year. I mean, it was like, the just the amount of interest was incredible. Well, it was he crazy. brings in a national audience. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. the thing. I mean, he brings in a national audience. And, and Peyton does too, but Tebow brings in a, a, a faction, a political faction, yeah. a, a religious He brings an audience that is so unique. I don't know now, it's so far removed, but that year, you're right. The avalanche of attention, it was talk radio national every monday morning was tebow yeah i mean you know bayless helped make a career out of it talking you know between his hate for lebron and love for tebow i mean tebow was a national story for every monday morning there for what two and a half months yeah yeah it was crazy anyway um i don't know maybe we'll see what he can do in the I'm batter's box see it. i just don't see how, how it ends other than people saying thanks tim you're a great guy we're not signing you right and yeah. if he does, the best-case scenario for him, for me, would be instructional league. That's where it gets a little weird, though, because now you're investing time in him. Yeah. And you, any guy that goes to instructional league, and you know this, Nick, you have to feel like they have a chance. Right. Like you're yeah. not going to do it out of charity. Like, oh, we like him. No, it's an investment. Somebody, yes, yeah. it's an investment at that point. Somebody's got to coach him. Yeah. And that's taking time away from coaching somebody else that's a prospect. Yeah. So can he get to the instructs? And get a chance, maybe. I, I don't see it personally, but I don't, I don't know. I hate. I feel dirty even saying it though. But if this ends up on TV, I would. I would. I would watch just to see because I out of curiosity because yeah. it's incredibly difficult. Yeah, hitting, I, hitting I would, would want to see him against pitching. I don't need to see him in a batting cage. No, no, no. That's like yeah. slow pitch softball. Of course he yeah. can hit. He's yeah. whatever six four, two fifty. I mean he's a, an absolute beast. But can he hit? I'd want to see him hitting live pitching. Right, right. That I'd be interested to see because maybe I've misjudged it and he has this crazy skill set that none of us knew about. But it's when you face live pitching, that's the great separator. I would like, to, I would like not to see – I would just like to confirm how incredibly difficult it is to do that, to, to hit a baseball. And that's what I would tune in to see is just to, for him to prove how difficult it is. But <laughs> anyway, uh, Troy, thank you. Denver Post, no, no. Denver 7 insider. Denver 7 Broncos insider, Troy Rank. That's a mouthful. Yeah, just, yeah, Troy. <laughs> right on. <laughs> Thanks, Crazy, man. man.
That'll be it for the first in Orange podcast this week at Denver Post, denverpost.com. Uh, my name is Nick Roke. Her name is... Nikki Jabala. <laughs> Thank you, Nikki. We'll be back next week. Um, keep an eye out. iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. It's We're everywhere. 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 We're omnipresent. First and Orange. DenverPost.com. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.